You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the ASMR Packernet Podcast Story Hour with your host Ryan, the Happy Packer fan. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Actually, before we get there, why don't we talk a little bit of college football? Uh, I'll give you a couple names to look for, and I got one right in my crosshairs here. Today, for the uh, noon games, we've got the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs against the FIU Golden Panthers. Why am I interested in that? Because there is a six foot four, two hundred and seventy-eight pound defensive tackle by the name of Milton Williams. Now, I don't know if we're keeping Mike Pettin around. I have no idea. I wish I could just tell you all that um, I know for certain that we don't have to worry about it. We're getting a new defensive coordinator. He's going to be the best defensive coordinator in the history of the world. He's going to take the guys that we have, and we're going to be a dominant defense. But I just I just don't know about all that. On top of that, you look at the fact that the Packers consistently keep going after defensive tackles, defensive tackles, defensive tackles. Maybe that's at the behest of Mike Pettin, and again, that will become null and void. I don't know, but it does seem to be the direction the Packers seem to go in, and as we know, um, Mr. Pettin does like the longer, lankier, long-armed uh, defensive tackle types. Now, at 6'4", 278, you would assume you're getting some elite pass rusher that uh, isn't very good against the run. However, he is currently, as far as guys that are draft eligible and guys that have played a you know, decent amount of snaps, the highest graded defensive tackle in all of college football. Now, part of that has to do with lower competition level, but it's still worthy to take note. And, and there's a couple other things. So first of all, he fits the profile at 6'4", 278. Second of all, he's gotten better every single year. If you look at his overall grade, 69, 72. This year, 90.1. If you look at his run defense grade, went from a 67 to an 80 to an 88. So that's actually primarily what he does best, but he's not pathetic in terms of pass rush. Um, he almost reminds me of a Kingsley Kiki in a way, in that he's built to be sort of a pass rusher. He's a, a longer, lankier, leaner type of guy that you feel like, hey, if we wanted to, we could even line him up off the edge. But really, if you look at his production, he's primarily a uh, run defender. But this year, he took a massive step even in uh, that regard. If you look at his grade, 62, 60, 84, um, and then if you look at, I mean, his his numbers are actually down in terms of total pressures, but he does have 20 total pressures on 197 attempts, which is just around 10%, which, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, isn't spectacular. But again, if you're getting a top-tier run defender that also provides 10% pass rush rate, that's more than adequate, right? I mean, if you're looking for an elite pass rusher, you'll probably pass up on this guy, but I, I don't think we're looking for that necessarily. I'm not going to dismiss it. But, uh, and, and, and by bringing up Milton Williams' name, I don't expect necessarily to uh, continue my streak of having, like, highlight reels posted all over Twitter about how great this guy is and whatnot, because if all he's doing is clog- clogging up running lanes, that usually doesn't make a lot of highlight reels. But it's still worth checking out. I don't know why you would watch Louisiana Tech versus FIU, but if you happen to, look out for number 97, the defensive tackle. Or if you're just looking for something to do, head on over to YouTube. In fact, I'm going to pause this and do that right now, because... I'm just having a good old time, sitting on the couch, got a cup of coffee. I'm going to see if we got some cut-ups of Mr. Milton Williams. Oh, the cut-up guys are letting me down. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do, because there's a lot of guys that do cut-ups of actual games. Um, His best games this season, week one against Southern Miss. Otherwise, his last two weeks, he's been absolutely dominant against UTSA and UAB. 
UAB is Alabama-Birmingham. Uh, his best overall game was the UTSA game, the uh, Texas-San Antonio. Five pressures, one sack, one hit, three hurry. 90.3 run defense grade, 80.1 pass rush grade. Again, that's 97 is his number. I just Googled it. That game is on YouTube if you want to check that out. And I, I, I'm not going to watch this because I don't have time. I found the Louisiana Tech versus UTSA full game posted by HAS Highlights. If you skip to about 8 minutes and 30 seconds... Uh, he's coming off the right side. They do use him similar to Kingsley Kiki where they'll put him off the edge sometimes. Dude's got some wheels off the edge, man. So, anyways, just something to look at. I don't know. All right, so let's do something uh, that I really like to do, and I don't really know why. I just call it Correlations, which is a stupid name. I should come up with a better name for it. But they're sort of mile markers we're looking for to beat the Packers, to beat the Bears, to whatever. Whatever, man. It technically is both, but that's not the sentence I wanted to say. One of the reasons I like it is that it seems like a really dumb way to go about doing things. Like if I hadn't spent the time to look at this and somebody told me this is how they analyze teams, I'd say that that's a really garbage way to do it. But I really feel like you learn a lot about a team when you do this. And right away, if you look at these Chicago Bears and, and I talk about how the offense and defense kind of sets these mar- or you know these bars to, to get over. The Chicago Bears defense is still really more or less the same defense. I think last year they set the bar at about 16 points. In other words, score more than 16 points and we're going to win the game. That's an unbelievable thing for a defense to do for an offense. This year that number seems to be around 17. They're 4-1 and one when a team when, when the offense scores more than 17 points. They're 5-2 and two when they score 17. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, less than 17, they're 0-3. Or you could say 17 and less, and they're one and uh, one and four. So that's that's the identity of this defense. That's the real tragedy, not necessarily for Packer fans, but just from an from an uh, NFL appreciation standpoint. You look at a team like the Bears, and you say, "What what an absolute waste! What an absolute tragedy of a franchise to have a defense that says, look, man, just get 17. If you can average over 17 points a game, we're gonna win almost all of them. We might. I mean, if they scored 17 points." No, whatever. So 17 is, is kind of the marker, right? As long as they're keeping the Packers below 17, they're feeling good. Once the Packers creep up above 17, it doesn't mean you win automatically, right? The Falcons scored 26 and lost. The Lions scored 23 and lost. The Saints scored, uh, mm, Tampa scored 19 and lost. <laughs> it starts getting, that's about it, I think, actually. It's just those three. So it's not a guarantee, but but now it's sort of you've taken the defense out of the equation. Now the offense has to step up and, and do better than expected. So that's sort of the goal from the Packers' standpoint. Now one of the weird things about it is that it doesn't always line up offensively and defensively. The offense kind of sets its own bar, and in between is sort of this sort of nebulous zone. So it's a little bit iffy, but it seems to be around 23 points, which is sort of a, again, we're right around that 23-24 number. But when the defense keeps opponents below 24 points, they're four and two. Above 24 point or 24 and above, they're one and three. So, th- so there's a decent gap between the two, which usually should correlate to a decent amount of winning, right? It it hasn't so far. Although again, it's been just a rough stretch, and they've been pretty close games. But you got a defense that says, "Look, man, just get over, just get over 17, and we're good." And the offense is like, "No, dude, I'll, we'll, we'll get you 23." Now, if we flip over and look at the the Packers, it's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird thing, and I would say not necessarily a great thing. The Packers are undefeated when they score 34 or more points. They are 2-3 and three when they score less than 34 points. That is 
without knowing any of the details, I'd look at this and say this is the worst defense of all time. Because an offense shouldn't have to score 34 points to win. And it doesn't get too much better than that. There is a massive gap here. The team is undefeated when the defense keeps a team under or 21 points or less. That's a really low number. Anything over 21 points, the defense gives up, and the Packers are 2-3. and three. That kind of points to an offense not doing that good of a job. But the weird thing about this is it's a huge gap, and I think the huge gap kind of points to that defensive inconsistency. For example, half the season has been 16 points, 17 points, 20 points, 20 points, and 21 points, and the Packers won every single one of those games. They've ne- nobody's ever scored 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, or 27. What we have are games of 28, 30, 34, 34, and 38. Three of those five are losses. So really, the Packers are, you know, if you want to try to make the offense look bad, you say anything over 21 points and the Packers lose. But again, there's that huge gap. If you wanted to be more accurate, you'd say 28 or more points over, and you're about a 500 team, which kind of sp- still speaks to a decent de- uh, offense. Defense gave up 30 against New Orleans, and we won, gave up 34 against Minnesota, and won by 9 points. So if you look at the offensive side, you see a defense not really pulling its weight. If you look at the defensive side, you see massive inconsistency defensively, which is part of the reason why you look at it and say it seems like the defense is real problematic, and then you say, well, they're only ranked 17th. Yeah, because half the season, the defense has been actually really, really good. And remember that uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game, seven of those points really was the special team. So that should be 13. So if you look at it, it's 13, 16, 17, 20, and 21 has been half the season. Now the good news in this is the whole picture for the Packers is, seems to be, although we know the offensive implosion is a serious problem too, and you saw that against Tampa Bay when the offense scored 10 points. But the bigger issue seems to be defensive inconsistency, and, and when the defense allows a lot of points, that's when things get problematic. Well, you look at the Bears... I'm not saying it's impossible, but the Bears have only reached that magic 28-point mark once, and that was against the Falcons in Week 3. The only other time they got close was 27. That's in that nebulous zone for the Packers' defense where we don't know what happens between 22 and 27. They only did that once against Detroit. Their other offense, the, the next highest offensive performance was 23. Now, that's in that zone, but I tend to think the Packers do okay if you get to 20, if, if you only get to 23. So I think in this game, the magic number is going to be roughly around 23 for the Packers' offense. Remember, it, when a team scores, we'll just call it 24, when a scheme, team scores more than 23, the Bears are 1-3. and are one and three. Teams very rarely crack that. They got 13, 16, 19, 19, 19, 23, and then 24, 24. Only twice has a team reached 26 points. That's it. That's nobody's gotten higher than 26. So if you crack that, tw- if the offense can crack that 23 number, you're kind of outside of that zone that the offense can usually overcome. The harder part is going to be for the defense, and it shouldn't even be that hard because again, we may be looking at the worst offense in all of football. They're ranked 31st in yards and points right now, but again, we know we don't want them to reach 28 because that's where it gets sort of complicated. But we don't want to let them get anywhere near that because we don't really trust our offense to be able to put up 30 anywhere. You know, It's not going to be easy to put up that much against this defense. The harder part here is usually if the Bears offense gets to 17, they win. Packers defense has only kept a team under 17 once. So I tend to think all of this points to high teens, low 20s. And how it shakes out is going to be real important. And that, that's going to take a lot of effort from the offense and the defense. It's hard to really point at one or the other and say, if, if this side of the ball has a good game, we're, we're doing well. The defense has to be really on point because as bad as the Bears' offense is, they only really need to get to about 17-ish. 
traditionally. I mean, that's that should be the goal of the defense, keep them under 17. I think the offense can overcome more than that, but that's their job going in, and that's a tough task for any defense against any offense. In 2020, the offense is trying to reach about 24 points, and I really think that's the easier of the two jobs. Not because the Bears' defense is easy, but again, we saw them put up 28 against the Colts' defense in a, in a half. And so really, if, if we want to phrase this similar to what happened in the Colts game, we need the, the Packers' offense to do exactly what they did, and we need the defense to just do better. And I listen, I'm, I'm not, I understand, you know, against that Colts game, there were some circumstances that made it real tough for them. Offense couldn't stay on the field. Look, man, I'm saying if the Packers' offense gets to 28, I don't really want to hear any excuses. Uh, special teams might play a big part in this. I know the Colts' special teams just whipped us up and down the field. You know, I'm not going to fault you for stopping them on short yardage situations because of fumbles and everything else. But assuming it's not a special teams catastrophe, you got to stop them. I mean, get yourself off the field. I mean, if, if, if you're having a hard time because the Packers offense can't stay on the field and you're getting tired, get yourself off the field. And that's a message just as well to Mike Pettin to say, I don't want you playing soft, letting them get nine yards on third and ten. Get your guys off the field. Be aggressive. Don't give them an opportunity to convert. Some other correlations to look for, um, again, kind of pointing to the defense. As much as I said it's both sides of the ball, I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to hone in on the defense here. Actually, nope, I'm a dummy, but it's still an interesting note. This isn't the Bears. This is the Green Bay Packers. They are currently undefeated when they don't turn the ball over. The Packers right now are undefeated when they don't have a turnover. The Packers are also one and three when they do turn the ball over even one time. Surprisingly, the Bears are 20th in turnovers, which is kind of the big difference between why, you know, the the 2018 Bears and the current Bears, probably. But still, ball security is incredibly important, especially coming off that Colts game where there were four four turnovers. And, you know, the, the other real upsetting thing about that is you take away one of those turnovers is a good chance the Packers win. But anyways, now that I'm looking at the correct team, the Chicago Bears, uh, a couple other mile markers to keep an eye on here. Um, If the Chicago Bears uh, do not cross the 214 yards passing mark... Wait a minute. Wait, wait, Wait a minute. This is beyond confusing. So there's an inverse relationship between the Bears' passing yardage and winning and losing. When the Bears pass for 214 yards or less, they're four and one. This is why I was so confused. If they pass for 230 or more yards, they're 1-4. and four. I don't know what to do with that information, to be completely honest with you, other than to say if it becomes a shootout, they lose. That's what I'm running with. I don't know how to explain that. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Rushing yards. Obviously a big deal for most teams. The Bears have struggled with it. When they've reached, jeez, well, over 100 yards, they're undefeated 3-0. and But if they get to even 63 yards, they're 4-1. and one. And the one loss was an overtime loss to the Saints. 56 yards or less, they're 1-4. and four. That's such an unfair... <laughs> that's so unfair to try to keep them under that. We're not going to keep them less than that. That's crazy. Turnovers, jeez, man. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a correlation, but they've got a turnover in almost every single game this year except one. There's really not a high correlation about anything. It's just they turn the ball over a lot. Um, if there's no turnovers, they're undefeated, 1-0. With uh, one turnover, they're two and one, or no, they're two and two. And then with two turnovers, they're two and three. So it's just you know, I don't know. They just do it a lot. And surprisingly, not a ton of correlations with their defense, other than turnovers, which is always a real big one. Um, when a team doesn't, when when the Bears' defense don't get a turnover, they are winless. 
They had three games where the Bears didn't get a single turnover, and they're 0-3 in those games against the Titans, the Colts, and the Saints. Which is to say, if we were to flip that around, considering the team's only won five games, they are 5-2 and two when they get even so much as a single turnover. So the Packers have not won a game when they turn the ball over. The Bears very rarely lose games when they get a turnover. That might be one of the biggest markers outside of what we've already talked about, things to keep an eye on. If the Packers turn the ball over one time, they are way behind the eight ball on this. But as of the time of this recording, uh, we're looking at a team that cannot win unless they get a turnover going up against a team that turns the ball over less than just about anybody. Even after that four turnover performance last week, they're still third in turnovers. Anyways, just a couple things to keep an eye on. I guess if we were to turn this into keys of the game, the Packers need to uh, protect the football. Packers' goal on offense should be to reach 24 points, and I would say the defensive goal, keep them under 20 if at all possible. If I were to look at a score prediction, we'll say 24-20. Packers win. Uh, Real quick, looking at the injury report, it looks like great news. Devontae was real scary. They completely took him off the injury report. We don't really have anybody... That is in real bad shape. Tyler Irvin is questionable. Josh Jackson is questionable. Corey Lindsley is questionable, which I guess is not great. But um, he's been limited all week. I'm, I don't know. I shouldn't say I feel good about it. I don't feel good about questionables as much this year anymore. But uh, that'll be the one big one to keep an eye on. Otherwise, EQ, uh, MVS, and Kevin King are questionable. Actually, Marquez is probably the biggest one. He didn't even practice um, on Friday. So that'll be kind of a big one, I guess. As for the Bears, kind of similar. There's no uh, doubtfuls outside of Nick Foles. We already know he's not playing. I guess we shouldn't say we don't know. If they're saying doubtful, then maybe there's a chance and they're playing games, but he's probably not playing. Uh, Rashad Coward, Akeem Hicks is questionable. Again, that's going to be the big one for the Bears. It does say questionable, not doubtful, which speaks highly of Hicks playing, but he didn't practice all week. Um, Sherrick McManus, decent football player, is questionable. Charles Leno, I mentioned, is a really, really, really big one off the left side. If he doesn't play, there's a good chance we're going to see Spriggs. And then Buster Screen, uh, with an ankle injury, is questionable. He just popped up on Friday. Not a very good football player, but um, they're pretty thin along the cornerback group. Um, and if they lose him, it's, it's similar to what I said about uh, their offensive lineman, Charles Leno. He's not the greatest in the world, but if you lose him, it gets real bleak. So um, any help we can get along the defensive side of the ball with guys like Buster Screen to help us open things up to try to get just just get to that 24 marker, I'm going to feel good about. And, and again, something to keep an eye on or just, just to remember in general, I'm not predicting the Bears score zero points. I don't think you're predicting the Bears score zero points. I'm not expecting the Packers to run up the score. So if the Packers go three and out and the Bears march down the field and get a field goal, that's not great. But if, if the goal is 20 to 24, this is far from over, right? So in other words, I expect this to be stressful. I express, expect it to be aggravating. I expect there to be a lot of, oh, shoot, here we go. What a nightmare. This is a joke. Da-da-da. But at the end of the day, all we're looking for is a close victory. That's it. Because as much as everybody looks at it and says the Bears are a joke and the Packers, if they're a real contender, they should just blow this team out. That's nonsense. There's only one team you could say blew out the, the, the Bears all year, and that was the Rams 10-24. to People don't really blow out the Bears. That doesn't really happen. Again, 10-24, to as in they only reached 24 points. So, and if the Bears mustered one more touchdown, it's no longer a blowout. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. It's going to be somewhat of a uh, short episode. I'll forego the uh, ads in the middle of the thing because it's short and whatnot. Hope you all enjoy your Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.